And it is Jesus that makes today truly glorious. Welcome to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church. We are so glad to have you with us this morning. Please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Today we see a warning to avoid. The shame of re-engaging with the Old Testament law as a basis for one's sanctification. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. At some point in our lives, most likely, we all learn to ride a bicycle. The usual way to gain that skill is to attach training wheels to the rear axle of the bike. And then you ride for a time with those training wheels until you get the feel of riding a two-wheeler and you take those training wheels off. The training wheels that during the time of learning to ride are an important safety net. And they keep the learner from falling off the bike as he or she is beginning to ride. And no one really thinks it odd to see a young child with training wheels on their bicycle. But everyone would think it weird to see a teenager who knows how to ride a two-wheeler with the training wheels still on. You see, there's a time for training wheels and there's a time for removed training wheels. And the law of God, the Mosaic law, read of in Exodus 20 and other parts, of course, of the Old Testament, the law of God acts like training wheels. The law facilitates, enables us to come into a total sufficiency found in Christ, a total sufficiency found in Jesus Christ, Savior, Lord who alone, Jesus alone, kept all of the Old Testament law 100% of the time, something that none of us could ever do. And once you come to Christ by faith and receive grace, salvation, the precious Holy Spirit of God to be resident within you as a believer forever, this makes the riding possible means the Spirit of God has come really to be the rider of your bike. It makes the taking off of the training wheels of the law prudent, but not only prudent and necessary. And thus, in this metaphor, it is totally non-productive and in fact frustrating if we somehow reattach the training wheels of our spiritual lives to be a method, we think, of being pleasing to God and standing before God justified. Now that we're saved, we don't need the law to hold our bicycles up. We have a fully capable rider with us in our lives, the Spirit of God, to empower godly, righteous Christian living and to give us the ability to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. That's the precious work and power of the Holy Spirit. Last time we were in Romans 7, 1 to 6, if you'd like to turn to Romans. Romans 7, verses 1 to 6 were our text last Sunday. And in those verses, Romans 7, 1 through 6, we saw a fact. And by way of review, the fact that we saw is that believers in Jesus Christ are disengaged from the law. Because we are joined with Jesus, 
and he has fulfilled all of the law. Last time, we looked at the fact of sanctification in the first six verses of Romans 7. Namely, the fact is that in the mind and will of God, you as a born-again Christian have been disengaged from the law in favor of being engaged with Christ in you, the hope of glory, engaged with the Holy Spirit of God, come to live in you as a redeemed child of God, disengaged from the one and engaged to the other. And so the fact, again, from last week, you believer, you believer who's a week old in Christ, you a believer who's a 100 years old in Christ, you believer, fact, you are disengaged from the law by God's design. And now our passage for this morning is about how we can volunteer to struggle with the law of sin and death and its downward pull on us as Christians down into acts of sinning. We've said before that sin singular in the New Testament is the law of sin and death, that gravitational pull down into acts of sinning that we're all subject to. But we talked about in a previous sermon, the end of chapter 6, that like that airplane bound from Nassau to Boston can take off even though the law of gravity continues to pull it down to the tarmac here in Nassau when there's enough engine thrust, enough aerodynamic positioning of the flaps of the wings, and enough power, then the law of aerodynamics overrules the law of gravity. So we are living the Christian life with the Spirit of God living within us, and we still have the downward pull, as it were, of the law of sin and death. But Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Spirit of God resident within you, gives us power to fly even over the downward pull of the law of sin and death. And one of the ways that we can make a mistake in Christian living is to somehow put ourselves back under the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law, as a means to make God love us. We're going to look at the character of God's law in this message. Principally, that's what the focus of this message is. It's based on Romans 7, 7 to 14. And these verses are about a very real danger for all Christians, which is the likelihood of putting ourselves back into law-keeping as our supposed basis for justification. These verses, 7 to 14 of chapter 7 of Romans, are saying, watch it. Don't put yourselves back into a mindset that keeping the law is your supposed basis for being declared innocent by holy God. Or put another way, our passage for today presents a shame that we can find in our sanctified process. The fact that we're disengaged from the law is a fact in verses 1 to 6. The shame we're going to see this morning in verses 7 to 14 is that we can live as though that fact isn't a reality. And that would be a shame. And so I'm going to read our passage. It's 7 to 14 of Romans 7, as I have been stating. Listen to the word of God. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law, for I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. And I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which I was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, deceived me. 
and through it killed me. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold into bondage to sin. Friends, when we attempt to live the Christian life in our own smarts or in our own strength or in our own resources, we are really choosing to live like we are under the law. And when we attempt to live the Christian life somehow reforming ourselves, somehow trying harder, somehow working at earning brownie points in heaven, somehow attempting to perform certain religious rituals to be somehow more loved and more accepted by God, when we do those things and other things, then we are re-engaging ourselves in the law again, which will lead to great frustration. So please hear me. The shame of Romans 7, 7 to 14 is the disappointing fact that many true Christians decide to re-engage themselves with the law that Jesus disengaged them from when he fulfilled it for them. Now, this re-engagement with the law is a basis for almost self-justification and self-sanctification. This reattachment, re-engagement with the law that we can do as born-again Christians is really as easy as falling off of a log. Ever tried to stand on a log? It's so easy to fall off. And it's so easy for us to re-engage ourselves with God's law, thinking that if we can just re-engage ourselves with God's law, that we'll make ourselves acceptable to God. But Jesus made us acceptable. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas. And today we want to talk about Jesus and relationships. And first of all, one thing that we need to understand is that we're all involved in relationships. The question becomes for each of us is how are we in those relationships? How are we trying to make those relationships better? What is going on in them relationships? And a lot of times when people talk about relationship, we're not talking about a boyfriend, a girlfriend, husband, and wife. We're talking about just any type of relationship where it's friends, with family members. And you see in our country today, we are having a lot of problems because relationships have broken down. You see, too many times in our country, we don't deal with the conflict and the anger that we have in different relationships. In fact, as we know, our murder count is always high because most of the time it's because of relationships going bad. And today we want to talk about what God's Word says about relationships. And I think so many times in, in our relationships, for those who are listening and call ourselves believers, we need to recognize that, first of all, Jesus, God himself, needs to be the center of any relationship. You see, in relationships, no matter how we look at it, we're going to have conflict because when you're dealing with people, you're dealing with sinful people. Because we all struggle with sin, and so we all want our own way. And this morning, we want to talk about what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount about anger. How Jesus told us that even when we have something against a brother or sister, we need to make things right because 
if we don't act on it, we have already committed murder in our heart. We've already shown that. And I think as we think of our country, this is a problem that we have today because there are so many people that are just angry at each other. And sometimes they don't even know why they're angry. And as you consider yourselves in school, there are people in school that you don't like. But the question becomes, do you hate them? Because let's be honest, we don't get along with every person that we come in contact with. There are some of us who like sports who, you know, we would like to be with people who like sports. There are some girls who like shopping and makeup and things like that. They want to be with people who love those type of things. But what happens in these relationships when conflict comes into play? And Jesus says in Matthew 5, 21, he says, You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. So we see in the the context here that Jesus goes back to the beginning of the Ten Commandments, do not murder. And we know this is a commandment that for a lot of us, for, for people who have grown up in the church, we have heard this commandment over and over. And when we think of murder, we think of someone taking another person's life, whether, whether it be through shooting or stabbing or whatever it may be, but they have taken another person's life. And we think, oh, that's the act of a murder. But Jesus goes on further as he's, as he's dealing with relationships, but he, and he wants us to understand as we consider relationships that we come in contact with every day, he says this, but I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. You see, Jesus makes it very clear that if we are angry, if we have something against our brother or sister, we need to make sure that we deal with that anger. You see, too many times in our lives, we are angry at different things and different people, and we allow anger to just fester in our lives and it festers in our relationships, where what happens is someone just has a burst of anger on somebody and things are done that we would wish wasn't done. I'm sure we can all recount a time in our lives when we have told someone something that we wish we could take our words back, and we may not even have been angry at that person, but because of things that are going on in our lives, we lash out at people. You see, this is what happens so many times in in the church today, that we allow ourselves to be so angry at people that we don't get to know other people. We don't get to mend those relationships. But also Jesus says, whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. You see, this is something that we all have problems with because people insult people because it makes them feel better. It makes the individual who's insulted feel better than that person. And we like to call people names. We like to put people down because in a, in a way it makes us feel better about ourselves. But Jesus makes it very clear that this is not how we're supposed to be. We are not supposed to insult our brothers and sisters, but we are supposed to lift them up. We are supposed to be there for them. We're supposed to help them. And I would challenge you as you consider relationships that you're involved in with friendships and people who are in your life. I want to ask you a question. Do these friendships make you a better person? Or do they make you a person that no one wants to be around? You see, as a, as a young person listening to this morning I'm sure we all have those relationships who our parents would say, you know what, John, I would rather you not hang out with Bob. Or Sarah, I would not rather you hang out with Amy. And your parents give you reasons why they don't want you hanging out with this person. And for a lot of of, of students, you think to yourself, well, they they just don't know, you know, they don't know what's going on in my life, and so I'm going to hang with so-and-so anyway. 
But what happens a lot of times in these relationships is you see you actually get hurt from those people and you see what type of person that person makes you. And I think that as I consider my life growing up as a teenager, I remember that they were my church friends and they were my school friends. And those people that lifted me up and those people who I had to be a whole different person around. And my school friends were people who I had to be a completely different person to be accepted. And I want to challenge you this morning as you consider this. If you have to change the way you are to be accepted by someone, then maybe you need to ask yourself, is that relationship really for me? Because you see, in relationships, we need to understand that God wants to be seen in our relationships as a believer. God wants to be the center of our relationships. And you see, with all the negativity going on around us, we don't need another negative person in our lives. You see, you could be, uh, you know, have the life of, of a, a good Christian person come to church and do all these different things. But negativity is going to come at you in all sorts of different directions, whether it be in school, whether it be at home, wherever it is. And we need to understand that God is saying that we need to make sure that we have strong relationships to fall onto. You see, no one wants to be alone. We need relationships in our lives to build us up. We need people in our lives to build us up because what happens is, when we insult people and we put people down, you know, Jesus says, whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. You see, we need to make sure that our relationships that we are in are honoring to God. And we've allowed God to, to be seen and let God be manifested, let God be the center of those relationships. You see, as a born-again believer, it's, it's hard because in today's society, the world teaches us so many different things, and this is how we're supposed to be. This is the type of person you want to be. You want to be the most popular. You want to be the best athlete. But the question becomes, if we have all those things and we don't have a relationship with God, what does it matter? Again, Jesus starts up in this passage talking about do not murder. And we will pick up the next time as we consider as Jesus talks about with people who are basically, before they even commit any act of murder they've already committed murder in their heart because they have hated a brother or sister they have hated someone and he's going to make it very clear to us what we need to do so i would challenge you to come back next week as we pick up where we left off talking about how jesus is telling us that we need to deal with this anger and how jesus is telling us that what we need to do as brothers believers in christ it's time now for today's personal god story well, this morning, I'm very pleased to have my friends in the radio studio, uh, Duet and Sally Simonette. How are you? Fine. Fine, thank you. Wonderful. These wonderful people have a very interesting story that is a story of God's grace, a story of second chances, and a story of a happy ending. And I'm going to start by um, asking Sally, um, when did you first meet Duet? I met him at, at, at Eleuthera. Okay, what settlement in Eleuthera? I think it was Rock Sound. Rock Sound. Rock Sound, Eleuthera. I can't remember. Yeah, Duet was at Rock Sound? Rock Sound, Eleuthera, yeah. Okay. And um, the preacher that was uh, brought us together was Talmadge and Marjorie Butler. Yes. And they died. Mm-hmm. They died now, yeah. So they kind of put you together. They did put us together. They did put us together. Dating. And dating and everything. And we went to the Evangelistic Temple. That's where we used to go. Okay. At church. Sure. Then we came down to Nassau. And okay. And so after you met, uh, eventually you married. 
Yes, Eve wanted us to get married before they left to go to Africa. They were supposed to go to Africa. Oh. I think it was Africa, do we? Yes, Kilgore. Yeah, to, to Africa, yeah. West Africa. Kilgore. Kilgore, Africa. Interesting. Yes. So that pastor married you? Yes. Was that in Eleuthera? No, that was here in the Evangelistic Temple. Oh, it was at Evangelistic yeah. Temple. Yeah, we okay. got married there, yeah. Here in Nassau. Right in Nassau. All right. I could never forget. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure. So um, you had uh, some, I'm sure, good days, but also some difficult days. In your marriage, is that fair to say? Yes, yes. Some so, good days and some difficult days. Yes, and so no doubt there are some precious listeners right now yeah. who are involved in marriages that are having difficult days. And so I think if we talk a little bit about that, yeah. uh, it may help them. So, Duet, uh, what do you think were some of the, the problems that you and Sally encountered after you got married? Uh... Problem number one is we did not take the vows as serious. You didn't take your vows as we as uh, we should have. Okay. Because so there was nothing wrong with the vows. It was that you didn't take the vows as seriously serious. as you should have. Right. Because back in those days, uh, there was no no one um, constantly you give counsel for getting married or nothing like that. Yeah. So um, it, it it looked like it, it depends on um, the family you was going into or coming out of. Um, if the if the parents didn't like the fellow who the daughter was going with, they would they would speak in front of the, the fellow and say, "Look, your room is always here. If you don't work out, you know, you come out," which meant they never meant good. Uh, to start with. So maybe the until death us do part had a plan B. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't carried out. It wasn't yeah. carried out. No. Yeah. no. Sally, would you add anything to that? What difficulties did you have uh, in your marriage? Well, <clears throat> some of the difficulties was that, that we were very, we were young and um, I didn't want to listen to him, and he didn't want to listen to me. Mm. That was the biggest problem. Yes, and did you have trouble talking to each other? Yes, he had a lot of trouble. And then he now was home at the time. You know, he was always working, and I was always left alone. I didn't work at those days. I didn't work. Yes. And I think that was the biggest problem. Okay. Because, yes, not now, talking to one another. Yes. And then he come at nighttime, and I'd be tired, and, you know, and sleepy. And, yeah. And, and, and no talking, I think it's the most important thing. The most important thing in life, with a marriage, you must be talking to one another. Yes. You must talk. Communication. And communication means a lot. About easy things and about hard things. And about things. everything. About everything. About everything. Right. Now, let me ask you, did you know the Lord as your Savior when you got married? I did. Sally, you did. I did. I got saved under Talmadge Butler. Okay, under Pastor at, Butler. Yes, at Cherokee Sound Abaco. Yeah. Cherokee Sound Abaco. <laughs> Yes. Praise the Lord. And DeWitt, would you say you were a Christian when you got married? Yes, I was. Good. So you knew the Lord as your Savior, too. Okay. Oh, yeah. So uh, you were equally yoked, not unequally yoked. Yes. And uh, you <clears throat> didn't get any pre-marriage counseling because it was, really wasn't offered back then. No. So you lear learned a lot from your own parents, good and bad. Yes. About marriage, or right? Friends. Or and friends. Yes. Friends. Okay. Um, well, that's sort of the start of your story. And uh, 
I guess, uh, like a crack in the sidewalk only gets wider if you don't fix it, then these problems that may have started uh, smaller got worse. Is that fair to say? Right. Yeah. And then what happened uh, toward the the end of uh, your marriage? And listeners are saying the end of their marriage, but here they are in the radio studio. Well, stick with us. Don't don't lose us. Um, so, what happened as the problems got more severe? How what was kind of the outcome of it? Um, Pastor, can you imagine? getting down on your knees before a person and telling them that you are sorry and uh, whatsoever it is, uh, forgive, you know, forgive. Yes. And um, after a period of time, it was not considered. Um, Some will say, hey, well, it's not, it's, it, it's, you know, it's not uh, good. You know what? We're going to leave our listeners hanging a little bit with the story. We're going to continue right where we left off in your story in our next broadcast. So listeners, come back next week. You don't want to miss the next installment of Duet and Sally's story, believe me. Uh, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this dear couple who come Uh, before you and before the radio microphones and before our listeners with humility and transparency. Thank you, Lord, that uh, the same way you've helped them through their difficult problems in marriage, you are there to help others. Lord, be honored and glorified in uh, the next stages of this story. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 10.30 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. The protocols for this gathering are available on our website at calvarybible.org.bs. You can also receive these protocols by phone Tuesday or Wednesday, 9 a.m. to noon, by calling 326-0800. You may also access the live stream of this morning service today at calvarybible.org.bs or on Facebook at CBC Body. This service will be aired at 10.30 a.m. and replayed at 6 p.m. for your convenience. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com or write us at P.O. Box N16841, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior.